Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let us listen for the word of God together this morning. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together this morning. Almighty and everlasting God, sit with us today as we meditate and ponder your words and call for us. Amen. When we think about the season of Advent, Joseph probably isn't the first person that comes to mind, and rightfully so. As a husband and a father of two, I know that the father isn't exactly the star of the show when it comes to the whole birthing process, acknowledging (laughs) that we are mostly just along for the ride. (laughs) In fact, Joseph probably isn't even the first Joseph that we think about in Scripture. We may think about the Joseph in the Old Testament, the one with the bright, colorful coat who is betrayed by his 11 brothers because he was the favorite child. That Joseph got much more attention and is probably more memorable than Joseph, the father of Jesus, the one who that we're talking about today. But Matthew's gospel account decides to focus on Joseph's experience of the birth of the God-child. The story is rather short at just eight verses, but it's the most extensive account that we have of Joseph throughout the gospels. Joseph is only mentioned a few more times in the gospel of Matthew, as he, Mary, and Jesus are fleeing to Egypt to escape Herod. He's mentioned just three times in the Gospel of Luke, once in the Gospel of John, and is omitted entirely from the Gospel of Mark, not that anybody is keeping score. (laughs) So what can we learn from Joseph in Matthew's depiction of the birth of Christ? Well, first, marriage looked a little different for Mary and Joseph than it does for most today. 
Mary and, Joseph marriage, Mary and Joseph's marriage was likely arranged, marking a social and economic transaction between two families in the hope of long-term family success and stability. Mary and Joseph didn't meet on a popular new dating app. <laughs> they didn't run into each other at the local watering hole. Because of the nature of the arranged marriages, Mary and Joseph were legally married but didn't live together. So when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, we can understand how he simply just wants to remove himself from the situation. The marriage between Mary and Joseph no longer serves the intended purpose. And Joseph wants to move past this awkward predicament completely. In fact, Joseph tries to save Mary from the heartache of answering the question herself about her failed arranged marriage. Joseph acts with integrity and righteousness amid disappointment. Joseph exhibits grace when presumably feeling betrayed because he is faithful to the law. But God has other plans for Joseph and decides to pay him a visit through an angel of the Lord. And while these divine visits aren't exactly commonplace within the story of God, they happen enough that we, as readers and hearers of scripture, anticipate what might happen next from a narrative perspective. We think about the angel of the Lord that appeared to Moses through a burning bush. Moses is out tending sheep and sees a bush burning that doesn't appear to be burning up. Moses, just like any normal adolescent boy, says, I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> the angel reveals itself and then begins to speak on behalf of God, telling Moses that he must go to Egypt and command Pharaoh to release the Israelites from captivity freeing them from their enslavement. Moses probably thought about telling this angel, who is speaking on behalf of God, well, I would totally go and let the ruler of Egypt, probably the most powerful person in the world, know that they should release the Israelites, but these sheep aren't going to tend themselves. Plus, there's this guy named Aaron who's really convincing and persuasive. He'd be great for this job. But Moses feels compelled enough to answer God's call to be a part of the divine story that God has in place for humanity. In the midst of anxiety and fear, Moses is reminded that God's faithfulness remains. Or we might think about Hagar and Ishmael, the mother and young son who are a part of the saga of Abraham's divine generational and childbearing promise. Due to a lot of familial drama that would take a day or two to fully unpack, Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away from their camp, embarking them on a long, tough journey through the desert of Beersheba, alone, painfully unequipped, without enough food or water. When Hagar reaches her lowest and most desperate, hopeless point, an angel of the Lord appears to her in the harsh desert, alone, thirsty, and hungry, saying, Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying. In the midst of rejection and despair, Hagar is reminded that God's faithfulness remains. Now, moving back to Joseph, who is in the midst of his own feelings of disappointment and dread as he figures out how to resolve the situation with Mary, we hear the divine messenger saying, Do not be afraid. The angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph, but this time in a dream. And maybe it was one of those dreams when you tried to talk but couldn't quite get out the words because it was a fairly one-sided conversation. And thank goodness it wasn't one of those dreams that you had and woke up and thought, how did that end again? 
because the angel of the Lord told him to take Mary as a wife because her child had been conceived of the Holy Spirit. You will name him Jesus because he will save humanity from their sins. Joseph wakes up and is obedient to the angel of the Lord, quietly and meekly deciding to move forward as Mary's husband and the earthly father of the Christ child. In the midst of uncertainty and disappointment, Joseph is reminded that God's faithfulness remains. And we can't forget that, too, all of this occurred because of the promise of faithfulness that God had made long ago in the prophet Isaiah, declaring that the presence of God will always be with us through the soon-to-be-born soon Christ child. Joseph's faith, Joseph's faith and trust allows him to change his mind and follow a new path for his life that he had never imagined. Because when he woke up, we found out, or we find out that he does follow through with the commandments that were given to him, and he takes Mary as his wife. However, this doesn't mean that the road ahead is going to be easy. Thinking back to Moses, his story was filled with instances of times of fear and assurances from God. Joseph's faith and trust are going to be tested as they usually are when an angel of the Lord appears to someone in scripture. And after reading this text a few times, one of my favorite portions has become the final words of the chapter. And he gave the boy the name Jesus. Not only did these last few words illustrate the angel of the Lord's directions were followed to completion, but it illustrates that Joseph followed directions that God had laid out before him. Biologically speaking, Joseph had a few months to let the words of the angel of the Lord bounce around in his mind. Like any expectant parent, there was probably excitement and anticipation of meeting the child. But there was likely also fear and trepidation, wondering what it will be like to care for the holy child. But in the end, Joseph names the child Jesus responding with faith to the call that he had been given. About seven and a half years ago, I moved to New Jersey from Edmond, Oklahoma, a suburb outside of Oklahoma City, and after a week of two as working as the director of family ministries in a nearby church, I began to notice that things moved just a little bit differently in the Northeast than they did in the Midwest. Knowing that I needed to see how churches in the area led their ministries, I was told that I should reach out to the church in Morristown because they had some vibrant children and adolescent programs. I emailed Alexandra Mead without ever meeting her, who graciously let me visit and uh, let her ask me her about 100 questions while also giving me a tour of the parish house, showing me where all of the spaces where God was working with your kids, adolescents, and families here at PCM. I unashamedly stole everything and incorporated it at my former church, but also left thinking I would love to work at a church like this. And I'm so thankful that four years ago, I was able to respond to God's faithfulness with the opportunity to work alongside you. I'm thankful for all the ways that I saw God's faithfulness through you, like partnering with Ken and Kimberly on the YSOP trip in 2020 and seeing how Ken effortlessly guided us through so many subway transfers because he had faithfully served with the students during the, this mission trip for so many years, and sitting next to Kimberly on the train ride, learning about her story and her love of the church. Like hearing Wayne talk about the Rise mission, mission trip, 
even though the disappointment that we and the rest of the committee shared when it was canceled in 2020. But Wayne's repeated assurance saying, you're going to love Rise. I'm thankful for the belly laughs that Vern and I shared, talking theology and movies and everything else in between. I'm thankful for all of our Rise mission trip leaders who exemplified what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. I'm thankful for all of the parents and volunteers that supported the youth ministry with their time and talent, fostering a positive, fun, and welcoming space for our adolescents to be themselves without fear or judgment. And I'm thankful for seeing the faithfulness of God through our students and their hearts for others and their desire to share the love of Christ with everyone that they meet through their action and words. And I'm thankful for every time that God told me to do not be afraid through your words, kindness, and support. We've probably experienced situations when we've questioned where the presence of God was in our life. The message of God with us becomes incongruent with our lives because of what's happening with our friends, our families, our difficulties at work, or what we're seeing on the news. But right alongside these moments comes the call of do not be afraid and an invitation to become more participative in God's story for humanity. It's the call and the invitation that we'd like to avoid sometimes because the places and the people that God is calling us to aren't always the easiest. Like the call that Moses got when he was minding his own business, tending only to the sheep that needed him at the moment. Maybe God catches us at a time when we can't even think about a path forward, like Hagar when she was alone and overwhelmed in the desert. And as we've seen with Joseph, so often our faith response is a quiet, subtle answer to the difficult situations that we're experiencing in life. May we too be like Joseph, who answers the call of do not be afraid, because even our quiet, subtle, and humble acts of faith help usher in God's redemptive plan for the world and all of humanity. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.